You are listening to the Sunday Morning Sermon Series from the Grapevine Church of Christ in Grapevine, Texas. We're a family that is devoted to giving our lives to and living our lives for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, www.grapevinechurch.com. Thank you for listening. So a question, I have a question for you. Why are you here? I mean, have you ever just stopped to think about why you're here? I mean, we all have a reason, uh, and they're all different reasons. But something in our life happened to put us in this place, in this moment, at this time. And I don't know how many, how many times you've ever asked yourself that question, how many times you've ever really thought about it, but today, I want you to think about it with me for a few minutes. I want you to think about those people in your life who walked next to you to get you to this moment. And you probably know those people. They all have names for us. They are the teachers. They are the listeners. They are the examples. These are the people who would walk alongside of us on the path, holding our hand at times, leading the way. And at other times, these were the people who would follow us off the path, slowly nudging us back, and maybe sometimes just yanking us back. And it's only been recently that I've actually thought about this story, because I believe that we all have a story. We all have those names. And it's only recently that I began to think about this story. And it, it didn't happen because I had some sentimental moment, because as my wife would attest, I'm, I'm not a sentimental guy. But it happened because I had a professor of mine who challenged us, and I, I think challenge may be a, a tad loose. Uh, it was going to be for a grade. So there wasn't much of a challenge to it, but it was a challenge to, here's what I need you to do. I want you to sit down, and I want you to write your story with an emphasis on your spiritual story. So the emphasis became on when you started knowing who Christ was. And me as a student thinking about that was just, I was excited because I go, this is the easiest paper I've ever had to write. I can do this. I don't have to read books. I don't have to cite sources. I don't have to do any of that because I can do this. So I sat down and I started writing. And wouldn't you know it, about 10 minutes into writing, a flood of emotions came over me. And the second thing you'll know about me is I am not an emotional guy. But I found myself writing a paper and choking up as I was writing a paper. Now, that only happens to me when I know what I'm writing is bad. But this is one of those, I found myself choking up. And what I realized was that I've never taken the time to think about those names of those people who were willing to enter into my life and walk alongside of me. And so I was writing names down like Ed and Shirley Houston, Kevin and Shelley Huddleston, 
And while these names of these people probably don't mean a lot to you, you have the same names as well. They're different, but you have the same names. And what I began to realize is that we needed these voices in our life to start us, continue alongside of us, and even today walk with us on this journey. And so as I was writing this spiritual autobiography, my eyes were opened, my heart was opened to the beginnings that God had in my life, but not just the beginnings, the continued beginning of what God is doing in my life. And as we go through this talk today, hopefully you'll start thinking about those people in your life. Because that brings us to our sermon today. We started last week uh, this Christmas series called Prepare the Way. And we began with Isaiah 64. And we looked at the neediness that we have for another way. The neediness that we have in this season as this season bombards us with a certain way of doing Christmas. And that certain way of doing Christmas is fill the void in you with all kinds of new things. And we realize as we enter into this Christmas season, much like the prophet did in Isaiah 64, that there's something special about this time. That God entered into this time. And as we confront that, as the prophet confronts that with God, the prophet also must confront himself and his complicitness in this as well. And we confront our own despair and our own sinfulness in this moment. And so we kind of leave Isaiah 64 not feeling too great about ourselves, realizing that we have been complicit in this, but that brings us to Mark 1, because the beauty of this season is, as we go forward, we're reminded that God didn't leave us here to figure it out by ourselves. And Mark 1 is the introduction to this. And the beauty of Mark 1 is, it's a little different. It's different than the other two synoptic gospels that we'll look at here in a minute. So read with me, Mark 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending you my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John, the baptizer, appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, 
but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a completely different intro than the other synoptic gospels. In, in Matthew, Matthew opens up in Matthew 1 with, now this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 1, we have the entire genealogy of Jesus. In Luke, Luke opens up in the first few verses with, me and my scribe are writing this to hopefully this is the best way that we can do it. And he gets to verse 5, and he says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And Luke begins a detailed birth narrative. But Mark doesn't do that. Mark actually says, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And when we hear the word beginning, this is the beginning, we can't help but immediately go to the imagery of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We go to John 1.1, the other gospel, in which he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. As Mark is writing this, he doesn't burst in with the birth narrative. He doesn't give us any of that. His very first sentence is, this is the beginning. And it's if Mark is saying... I have a new creation story for you. And where we give Genesis 1-1 its name, the creation story, Mark gives his story a name as well. And he says, this is the beginning of what? Depending on your translation, it either says, this is the beginning of the gospel, or this is the beginning of the good news. And so Mark gives his beginning a name, and that name is gospel. For Mark, the good news has entered into the world by the only one who can create. The good news can enter into the world and can start a new beginning. A new beginning in the midst of humanity's despair. A new beginning in the midst of humanity's neediness. A new beginning in the middle of all our attempts to fill the void. Mark boldly claims in this text, a new beginning has started. And that New beginning is new creation. That new beginning has the power to change life. It will save the desperate and the despaired people of this world. So as we read Isaiah 64 and noticed the confrontation that the Isaiah has with himself, and he's left wondering, Mark says, God does not leave us in that state but in Mark 1, 1, there is a new beginning. 
But with any kind of start, we always have questions. What does this look like? What does this sound like? What is this going to do with me? Uh, uh, what is this going to do with me? Because beginnings are hard. We just dealt with this in our family. It's, it's one of those things you don't think about, but when your kids and, and your daughter has been in elementary school for five or six years, you just get used to it. I mean, it's easy. You get five or six years to do it. So sooner or later, it becomes just habit. You know what school you're going to. You meet the new teacher. Odds are you met the teacher somewhere down the line. So you know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, your daughter goes to middle school. Yeah, right. You know what I'm talking about. And so this year, she started middle school. And we had always vowed never to give her a cell phone. My wife takes her to her first middle school roundup, I guess is what they called it, and drops her off in the gym with all these other middle school, I guess sixth graders and all that. And Laurie immediately comes to my office and says, we are going to the Verizon store right now. My baby will be able to get a hold of me. Beginnings are hard. They're just hard because we don't know what they're going to, we don't know what's going to happen with it. We don't know what it's going to look like. There's a little bit of fear there. But notice what Mark says here. Mark says in the beginning of the good news, of Je the this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he quotes the prophets and says, in Isaiah 40, it tells us that there will be someone in the desert who cries out, prepare the way of the Lord. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mark says, and by the way, there's this guy named John. And I believe that we see through Scripture that every time good news breaks out, there always is someone there to point to the good news, that something is about to happen. Why? Because sometimes we need others to tell us where the good news is, to say, stop, look, here, get ready, it's coming. And Mark says that this good news, and as we go, what is good news? All of a sudden, John says, let me tell you what this good news is. Because we struggle in a world that feels like a whole lot of bad news. We struggle sometimes with seeing good news. With all of the noise and all of the lights it is hard for us sometimes to discern what good news looks like. And in fact, a lot of times we begin to believe the narrative that our lives are bad news. How many times have you heard others say to you, but if you only know what I, if you only know what I did, if you've only known what I've said, how I've acted, and not only have we heard that from others, but we've probably been guilty of saying that as well. There's no way God can do anything for me because of what I've done. And we begin to even believe the narrative that we are bad news, that our lives are bad news, that nothing in our life can happen. And so what goes on is we are left in our own despair. 
But the beauty of Mark 1 is how it begins is there are people who step forward, who enter into our life and enter into other people's lives and say, hold on. Your life is not bad news. We need a voice to step in who can drown out the other noise, who can drown out, who can rewrite the story that we're writing for ourselves, and who can remove the scales from our eyes. How can we not remember in Acts 9 when Paul, who, what, encounters God, encounters the risen Christ. And as he encounters the risen Christ, he is blinded. And do you remember who God brings into Paul's life to point towards the good news and remove the scales from his eyes? Ananias. There's always people who point to the good news because I believe we struggle with seeing it from time to time. And it's my belief that we're sitting here right now You're sitting here right now because you had a John the Baptist voice in your life. You had someone who would enter into your life and say, there's good news. And in fact, can look at you and point to you and say, you are good news. And let me tell you how and why. The beauty of the John the Baptist in our life is that he or she, reminds us of the one who has come and the one who is coming. They tell us that a new beginning is not only possible, but it is a reality. One who has the power to bring about the new creation in our life. The one who can write on our hearts today this is the beginning of the good news. And by the way, we witnessed it not but 20 minutes ago. The writing on the heart of Hannah, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so in this season, in this Christmas time, we are invited to remember. Remember Those in our lives who prepared the way, who pointed to and invited us to experience good news. We remember the new beginning that is at work in our life. And I pray as we remember this, that we also remember to be good news. That while you had John the Baptist in your life, who pointed and said, There's someone else coming that you also remember that you too prepare the way for others. That you too are John the Baptist in other people's lives. That you too are the ones who also notice and point to good news. And in this season... As we get caught up in everything, as we think about how God acted in the world in a baby, we realize in this that Mark is not done writing his gospel. 
And I know you can look at me and tell me, Russell, there's a Mark 16 and there's no Mark 17. So Mark is done writing his gospel. And I understand what you're saying. But notice what he says here. The beginning of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And I tell you that that good news has not finished today, but is still at work today. So then, the beginning is just the beginning. The despair that Isaiah leaves us with in 64, Mark breaks in and says, oh, but let me tell you a story. That good news has broken in. And good news still is breaking in. And good news is still happening in this world. And you are a witness to that good news for sitting here today. You are the witness because somebody came and witnessed to you about the good news of Jesus Christ in your life. And so today I tell you as we remember what happened 2,000 years ago in a manger that God breaking into the world in the most unlikely of ways... The expectation that God would break in as a warrior and God comes in what? As a baby. That God is still breaking in to the world in the most unlikely of ways. How do I know that? Because I'm standing before you today. Someone spoke into my life in the most unlikely of ways. How do I know that? Because you're sitting here today. God spoke into your life in the most unlikely of ways and pointed to good news. So this Christmas season, while we may look at it and go, oh my goodness, I have been following the ways of the world. This Christmas season also tells us that God is not done. And God is not done with you. And God is not done with your neighbor. And God is not done with your coworker, and God is not done with your family members. Why? Because as Mark says, it's only the beginning. So I wonder, if you were to write your spiritual autobiography, what names would be in there? Who has been the John the Baptist throughout your life? Who has shown you when you needed seeing the good news of Jesus? But I also wonder, as someone else writes, in fact, I don't wonder, I know, that many of your names would be in there as well. We all need new beginnings. And Mark says, in Mark 1, a new beginning is breaking forth. And we're being invited to be a part of it. We're being invited to help prepare the way for people as others have prepared the way for us. You've been listening to Grapevine Church of Christ. Subscribe to our sermon podcast and to our other Grapevine Church podcasts for special behind-the-scenes content. For more information, you can go to www.grapevinechurch.com.